Welcome back to the Casey Adams Show. We are here at the Blue Wire Studios in Las Vegas. And today I am joined by the one and only Nate Kennedy. Thanks so much for coming on, Nate. Yeah, I'm excited to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thanks for coming out. Um, so I, I've been looking forward to this interview for quite some time. I know we've, uh, you know, we've we scouted it a couple months back. So, uh, you know, for everyone that's listening, I'd love to just start off by saying, you know, for those that may not know who you are or follow you on social, what it what is it that you do for a living, and what drives you? Oh man, for a living, business side is you know I I basically drive a lot of leads. So we generate about up to ten thousand leads a day right now, and we build brands. And when I mean brands, we're building a audiences, right? So our biggest thing is we want to own the audiences that we build that buy different products and services and other niches. So that's what we really focus on, and. You know, we, so right now we've got about 30 different brands we've built. And now that we've got this massive audience we've created, we're starting to build our own physical product stuff too, right? So that's really what we focus on. Love that. So as for me, it's, I guess the one thing is I used to, in the past, I had an agency for a long time. Yeah. And that agency, I kind of got in 2020, I was like, man, I got to do something different. I was like, I'm getting called all the time yeah. on the weekends and need to do something different. So I decided, all right, I'm going to take all this and build these brands and build these brands up because reason being is I made that pivot was I wanted to go from, you know, having my business built around like my life working around my business. I had to switch it up and I had yeah. to go, all right, well, here's the lifestyle I envisioned for myself and my family and my kids and my wife. And so I built that business around it and, you know, it's been very cool. What we do. Yeah, no, that's incredible. Um, when did you get into the uh, digital marketing space? I got introduced in 2006 okay. to digital marketing. So I got a shaved head, so <laughs> can't see the grays. Yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, so 2006 was my first foray into internet marketing. I didn't even, I did my first marketing piece, traditional marketing piece in 2002 okay. for a security company that we uh, created back in the day. And, okay. uh, and then I got into the internet side in 2006, kind of got introduced to it. A buddy of mine asked me to, he's like, hey, I'm headed out to a Dan Kennedy Info Summit. Do you yep. want to go? And that's, I was like, sure, let's go. We flew out to LA, yep. all places yep. for it, <laughs> and hung out there. And he sat me down. He's like, you're going to want to buy everything from everyone on this stage. He was like, just buy one thing. <laughs> just and, be ready. <laughs> and be, yeah, buy one thing and execute that. And uh, that's what I did. I bought, a, I bought a product from Dan Kennedy, uh, How to Create Personality Within Your Copy, ironically, of all Got things, it. which is still valuable to this day. Yeah, no, so. that's incredible. Yeah. Um, I, I'd love to kind of take a step back as well. I believe you're from Midwest. Is that mm -hmm. correct? Ohio. Uh, Ohio, yes. What, like, you know, growing up, what, what were some of your aspirations and, you know, what were you doing in your teenage years when it comes to the foundation of, you know, your career moving into uh, where you are today? Yeah, so I was always, I, I grew up in a, a, a family where I watched, my dad actually had a corporate job, got laid off when I was younger, and then he decided to go build his own business. And so I watched him build a couple, fouled a couple, yeah. and then he finally built one that took off. So that's, that's what I saw was like the up and down success and roller coaster of entrepreneurship growing up. And, you know, he used to make me work in his warehouse that he had back in the day. And he'd always tell me, you know why you're doing this, you know, all the dirty work? I don't like, oh, know, Dad, why? Right? Because like, <laughs> you want to own the company someday. And I'm teaching you to own it. And I'm like, no, you're just getting cheap labor. <laughs> <laughs> cheap labor with a lesson. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I grew up in that environment. But I was always the kid. Like, I was, I, you know, I have an older brother. He's super, really, really book smart. Very, very smart guy. Mm -hmm. Me, I think I was born with the, you know, the street smarts. 
And yeah. uh, I was I was always just trying to do something. So, you know, I, you know, I was always the kid that, you know, like you hear a lot of entrepreneurs say, I was always cutting the neighbor's yard or shoveling snow up in Ohio doing yeah. all that stuff. I was trying to make a buck. And I would say, and seeing that with my dad, that's kind of really when I, I never really anticipated getting, I guess I thought I was going to get a job because society told me, right? Hey, yeah. the, the common thing is to go to college, you know, so you can get a degree, so you can get a job. And then I get to college in that time, right? And I go and I sit down and I'm like, man, I was going to be a physical therapist because okay. I love sports. And I played sports all the time. I was always working real hard, uh, you know, working out all the time when my friends were yep. hanging out. And I ended up going to college. I was like, well, I wasn't going to be a college athlete. Apparently, you know, 5'7 doesn't cut it back then. But, <laughs> I can relate. <laughs> I, I grew up playing hockey, lacrosse, football, the whole nine. <laughs> yeah, so, and, uh, so I ended up uh, going there and I – 8 a.m. biology class, and I was like, forget this, man. I was like, I'm just going to own the physical therapy place. So I went yeah. and applied for the College of Business instead. Got it. Hey, so. I, I love that. <laughs> uh, I'd love to ask you, because he, as I said, I, I played sports growing up in Virginia, hockey for 10 years, lacrosse for like four or five, and then sophomore year of high school, that's really what got me into this whole business world was I was almost paralyzed playing football. I was in a neck brace for like Ooh. six months. And for me, like that was the the biggest form of adversity in terms of a six month period of depression, not sure what I want to do with my time, where I just found this avenue of business, social media, entrepreneurship. And from that time, I've never looked back and it's what led me into what I do today. So I'd love to ask you, like, was there a moment in your journey that, you know, was just filled with adversity that really uh, made you pivot and think differently about the world? Oh man, later on in life, I would say, yeah. So First off, I'd like to say that cross is one of the best sports. I, <laughs> yeah. I played in high school too. I love, love it. that. Yeah, no, I'm trying to so get great. my son to play it now, but he, he's okay. but it's a great sport. But yeah, I, I would say, you know, I was, you know, I remember going to college. I'll, I'll start there. I don't know, kind of an easy one, right? And I get there because a lot of people tell you, you got to go to college, but I think it's like, I almost feel like I was held back because I spent those four years doing that. Although I had a good time and yeah. met some great people that I still talk to today and hang out with. But, you know, there's, you know, I get in and my first semester, I was like, you know, I didn't do much of anything because I didn't really enjoy it. And so I came home. My dad was like, hey, I got your grades. He's like, you know, <laughs> you got to change your major. I was like, what, what now? I was like, what am I going to change it to? He's like, you're going to change it to basket weaving. <laughs> I was like, dad. But so I had to, I had to overcome that, right? Because I wanted yeah. to get into the college of business. So I had to go fix all that stuff. But when I got out of college, I started uh, my first business, didn't quite take off. And then I got into the mortgage industry and I started a mortgage company in 2005. We got into the mortgage space, started building high-end homes because real estate was cranking back then. Oh, I, yeah. I was like, man, I was like, I'm going to build the one-stop shop. So I had the agency, the construction company, the mortgage company, and we were doing all this stuff. And, you know, 2008, right around 2007, 2008, things started going south. And, I, you know, I thought I had this diversified multiple streams and all yeah. this stuff. And really, it was all eggs in one basket, market tanked. I lost everything. Wow. On paper, I was worth millions, you know, in my mid-20s. Thought that was awesome. And then I realized that, you know, it disappeared overnight. So wow. I lost everything and I was too busy uh, grinding, right? And working 24 seven, working hard, playing hard that I just didn't have my head up, picked up, looking at what the, you know, where to pivot. Yeah. So that was one adversity. And then uh, that kind of changed. I was, hey, I got to do something different. Yeah. Know? No, I mean, I'd love to dive into that. I mean, you know, for me, I'm, I'm 21 right now. And I, I think that over these last couple of years with, with COVID and everything happening with tech stocks, like there's. There's so much uncertainty of like what the future has. I was listening to a podcast today by David Sachs and all these big VCs talking about just like inflated market caps for all these private companies and how things are like pre-COVID levels and just like seeing, you know, 
what can happen and reflecting on like 2008, I was eight years old at the time. So I didn't get to live through that from a business perspective. Um, but I'd love to just hear like, you know, not that how it unraveled in terms of like your thought process, but like, when did you know things were changing and like you had to make that pivot and things were going south? Like, I know you said overnight, but like, what was your plan of action and how were you able to navigate through those times to come out, you know, a bigger and better person overall? Yeah, I would say number one is I, I, I didn't pivot fast enough, right? Like my ego got ahead of me. Okay. So, yeah. and because the ego was there and, and I, I like to say it as I was the, uh, at the time I was the king of the dipshits, <laughs> you know? So I was hanging out and everybody was partying, you know, and a lot of things going on, all this stuff, but I just wasn't paying attention to where things were going. I thought I got there because of me, yep. not because the market was good. Right. And yep. made it easy. It, you know, good markets make bad business people look good. And at the time, I thought I was a good business guy, but I had a lot to learn, right? Yeah. So my ego got ahead of me. And, and then when I lost everything, I've never been one to really kind of, you know, sit and just do nothing. Yep. I had started diving in, as I said, in 2006 into the internet marketing. Never really took it serious, but started messing around and learning with it. So it was kind of a culmination. <laughs> I was like, man, I've got an opportunity to reinvent myself and reinvent what I do and completely change the trajectory of where I'm going to go. Yep. But I spent about two weeks being depressed. Yeah. You know, and uh, I remember sitting in my bankruptcy attorney's uh, office and made a statement along the lines. He's like, you know, there's no growth in comfort. And when I had no money, he was asking me for money. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, my God. Attorneys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but, uh, you know, so I went through that and I would say that it was I had that opportunity to pivot. I really enjoyed the online marketing space. And yeah. I just dove in and started figuring it out. And, you know, and from there, the big lesson for me was that one, as an entrepreneur, you're going to have to be resilient because you're going to get smacked across the face a few times and sometimes yeah. punched, right? Yep. It's just the way it is. And if you're an entrepreneur and haven't been punched in the face yet, you know, through <laughs> business, then you need to try a little harder. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you totally. know, it's, and so with that, I would say, you know, the big lesson I learned was that pivot quickly. I always understand where the market's going. A lot of times it's a guess, it's our best guess from the knowledge that we got. And it could yep. go different, but you just got to be ready to pivot. And that's what, you know, a lot of, a lot of entrepreneurs are able to do. Totally. Um, so when you got into the internet marketing space back then versus today, uh, I'd love to ask you, like, when did social media come into picture in your life in terms of, you know, like social marketing? I obviously, I know you have a large personal brand online. Like when did you start um, like taking social seriously from a personal perspective and how has that played a role in your digital marketing uh, career? Yeah, so the social side for organic and kind of posting and building my brand, I didn't really take seriously until a couple years ago, but I've always leveraged those networks for paid ads. Yep. So I always used it different. To me, everyone, you know, there's all different angles you can go with marketing. And for me, I always wanted to know, hey, if I'm going to build something and I want to be able to know how much I can pay for a customer, right? <laughs> yeah. And how much I can make per customer. That's for what I've kind of the world I came from. Yep. And so that's all I focused on was paid ads. So I leveraged Facebook ads, Google display ads for a long time. Matter of fact, another challenge, uh, the day before I got married, or I was getting married in 2010, got a call from a guy I was working with on the ad side. And he goes, hey, man, Google shut you down. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? I was like, so the, mo the money train, the money, the money flow just stopped? He's like, yep. Oh He's God. like, and you're not going to get back online unless you do these like five things, you know? Well, like your, your ad account was disabled in a sense or? Yeah, yeah basically. Okay. And at that time, Google was going through a process where they were just cutting everyone off. Yeah. And he was like, you know, Jeez. he goes, I can't handle your account anymore. He goes, you're going to have to go make all these changes. So really, I just figured out how to play the game at that point. And yeah. What was their game they wanted me to play? I played it while yep. everyone else was trying to 
everyone else got kicked off. I finally got back on, but I was like, man, that'll that'll change your yeah wedding day a little totally. bit, a little bit more stress <laughs> added in, you know. Oh my god, hey, <laughs> pressure is a privilege, right? I, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, love that. No, that's. I mean, just hearing that too, it's like, I, I want to ask you this too, because like this kind of goes back to a different point, but like the being at the mercy of platforms, I think, is a real thing for so many businesses, even like for us at Media Kids, you know, where we are. Um, you know, integrated with all these APIs, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, we have all these integrations to create a beautiful media kit for creators. And, um, you know, it's challenging to get these APIs, but in the same token, it could be as easy as it can be received, it can be taken away. So it's like seeing how big tech is moving and, and what's happening in that space. I mean, I think it's, we're so ripe for disruption and you see like Elon thinking about launching a, a social platform and all these people just like thinking about that. And I think in the year 2022, like, it's never been more right. Like you see TikTok like really blowing up and taking the, you know, taking the number one spot in terms of like usage. And um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that as someone that's been in the space for a while from a social and digital standpoint, uh, like how you think about culture in the social world and, uh, you know, what are you paying attention to? Yeah, it's a great question. I would say for me, focus on the social world is people, there's different ways to use it. You either have consumers or you have producers. And a lot of times what happens is people get in, if you're an entrepreneur or a business owner, you should be in the producer role. And there's massive opportunity. And this is why a couple of years ago, I was like, I need to actually, I was behind the scenes for so long. It's yeah. time to finally start getting in front of it. And I missed a lot of opportunity, but hey, no better time to start than now. It was yep. yesterday or now, right? So with that is, you know, I think what people really need to do is look at it as an opportunity to build eyeballs right because eyeballs are currency yep. with the social world and that's why you see a lot of companies and entrepreneurs doing that so for me it's i'm trying to produce put out valuable content that'll attract the right people that i can help and impact you know positively going forward so i would say there's that yep. and I, there's always there's always going to be the mainstays right so people are like ah facebook's gonna die won't be around in 10 <laughs> years i don't know yeah man. like It'll definitely be here to stay. (laughs) Yeah, they said that about the Google ads. They said that about, you know, like email's dead. And, you know, we send 70 million emails a month now up to 100 million emails sometimes. You know what I mean? So, like, email's not dead, but people have been saying it's dead for years. Yeah. So, mediums are created and they're there, right? So, it's how you're going to leverage them. And then new mediums are going to pop up. But think about how many things have come online. TikTok took off. But how many came online that did not take off? Yeah. Right. So there's a lot. So totally. it's also be very like a uh, one thing I leveraged with. So Clubhouse popped out and it was like the craze for a long yeah. time. And so I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to use this. I don't <laughs> know if it's going to stick around long term. I didn't know if I really believed it. And I was like, but I am going to go. I am going to go snag my handle. Yeah. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. So Just in case it does. I got it. Right. Yeah. So you can control that space. But, you know, I think there's there's massive opportunity with social if you use it right. But it's be the producer, not the consumer. Yeah. You know. Totally. No, I love that. Um, well, I'd love to dive into just, I know we were talking before the show, like you lived in California for a while. Now you're in North Carolina, you know, come from the East coast myself. I think it's just it's such a difference in terms of like lifestyle and, and how you think about the world. Um, would love to know like your experience in California, you know, what made you move to North Carolina and just experience there and really just like the other side of, you know, your life outside of the business, the personal side, like how do you manage your family as an entrepreneur and what does that look like in your life? Because I think so many entrepreneurs out there can learn from this, whether they have a family or not, uh, because it's a skill set that I think, you know, everyone will, you know, learn the, the either easy way or hard way one day. Oh, yeah, for <laughs> sure. You know, I think so. I lived in North Carolina for a long time. I moved there the first time in 2002. 
And I love North Carolina. It's kind of where I, I always say I grew up. That's where yeah. I became a man, you know, even though I was 22 when I moved there, yeah. 21 when I moved there, I'm like, ah, that's where I grew up. But at the same time, it was, you know, a city where I learned how to support myself. You know, when I moved there, I had nothing. I had a truck, a, uh, a mattress, didn't even, actually, no, I, had a, I had a frame, not a mattress, and a 50 CD disc changer Sony stereo <laughs> in a suitcase, right, with clothes. Okay. And so I get there, and I had nothing. So I had to walk up and down the street to find a job and started waiting tables and wow. figure it out. And I think, you know, so for me, I grew up in Charlotte in that aspect, loved it, met my wife there, uh, girlfriend at the time. She went through, she, she was with me when we were riding high. My ego was big. <laughs> she was with me when I was in the dumps after I lost everything, and we've been together ever since. So, wow. Uh, so I think, you know, Having a, you know, if you're not married, having a good woman that supports you is a good one, right? Yeah. Keep them. And then, uh, you know, I I just always loved North Carolina because it wasn't Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, Ohio's cold. Yeah, it's freezing up there. <laughs> yeah. Like, I remember moving down there, and the, I was taking the trolley, living uptown. It was pretty cool. Yeah. First time living in a city. And even though it was smaller back then, but this lady was like, man, this is going to be, this is like the w worst winter we've ever had. And it's like a little flurry, <laughs> you know, nothing's even sticking. Yeah. So like, all right, I can handle this. Totally. But, uh, you know, my wife and I lived in the city and then we started moving north as we had kids. So I have a son that's 10, daughter that's eight now. And, and uh, for me on the entrepreneurship side there, I've always been one of those people is like, I'm building, I don't, I'm not going to be the dad that says, no, I can't go. I'm going to be at the games. Yeah. I'm going to be at the dance recitals. I'm going to be at the horseback riding lessons, you yeah. know, like that, that's just always what I wanted. That's, that's the, that's the precedent actually my parents set for me, yeah. you know? So I just wanted, I thought it was a great one. They were always there. Totally. And I uh, wanted to be plugged in uh, to family. Cause I think, you know, you got one opportunity to raise those kids. Yeah. So hopefully <laughs> totally. can do the best job I can. Totally. But uh, I'm sure I'll screw up here and there. I already have, but <laughs> you know, that's life. So with that, when we moved to California, we just want something different. Like I, I was in an environment that we weren't being pushed. Yeah. Right. We got comfortable and which is a very easy thing to do is get comfortable. Once you've reached a certain level of success, what's the drive to keep going? And I had gotten there and I'm like, man, I need to do, I need to get out of my comfort zone. So I kept saying to my wife, let's, I'd go out to California for business. And I was like, ah, every time I call. And then finally I call, she's like, oh, what are you calling to tell me we need to move there? <laughs> I was like, yeah. And then uh, we take a trip out there. If one of my clients was out there, we take a trip. I bring the kids out and the wife out and for spring break kind of thing. And he goes, my son, we're sitting at uh, George's overlooking uh, in La Jolla, overlooking yeah. the ocean and all this stuff. And my son, five years old time goes, mom, we should move here. <laughs> Man, we went home, she packed the bags, and we no were gone. Way. I was like, I've been saying that for three years. But, um, wow, that's so, so great. And so we move out, you know, and it, it, was the, it was the best decision we could have made because it took us all out of our comfort zone. Yeah. We became closer as a family, uh, went through, you know, st we grew, company yeah. grew, things grew, relationships grew. We met amazing people. The kids got new experiences. And then, uh, as I was mentioned earlier, we kept taking all our vacations back east yeah. to see family. So... <laughs> You know, my kids are like, hey, what do you want to do for your birthday? They're like, oh, I want to go back and see, you know, I want to go back and see, you know, Aunt Wendy and Uncle Mike, or I want to see yeah. Connie. And so we go back to the farm. And so we kept taking all our vacations back home. And so we're like, well, we need this vacation. <laughs> so we started, uh, we moved back east, you know. Yeah. And we love it there. It's it's home base. I think we finally accepted it's home base because my wife got in this, this mode where, like, every three years we'd move. Yeah. You know, we're like, we got to do something different. And we finally like, all right, this is home base. We'll just start buying the stuff we want across yeah. the country. Love that. No, so. I, I appreciate this, the perspective here. I think it's super insightful. 
Um, I'd love to pivot and just talk about, and I know you mentioned earlier, like the, the 30 brands that you've built over time. I'd love to like dive into the ones that you know, you'd like to talk about in terms of uh, like, you know, what the brands are, how you think about them and really like, is there a certain area of focus that you focus when it comes to the brands that you're building or are they all kind of different in their own right? So they, when we go to build a brand, the first thing we're looking for is a larger audience, right? We like to start from a top level audience. We don't, we don't get super niche. Yeah. Uh, so for us, one of our, one of our brands is AmericanConservatives.com, And then another one is modernpatriots.com. So they have that conservative kind of feel to them because it's a large audience, but then we provide them with opportunities in the health space, financial space. Got it. Right. So we bring them in on kind of the in, top level interest. And then we have the opportunity to put these other you know, things in front of them that are going to help them as well, right? And so those are, for us, we're trying to build brands in a larger audience yep. that we can break down to sub-segments, right? So we know that when the audience comes in, we can go and say, all right, are you interested in this, 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 or this? And they pick what they do, and then we can choose the path for them to go, right? Got it. Uh, now, you can also build your audience for, like, very niche, too. It's just going to be a smaller audience. Yeah. So, you know, I think totally even in the for coaches and, and influences and another thing. But the most importantly, I would say the way that we go about it is we build the audience and we leverage email. Right. Yep. So our biggest thing is a lot of I, I'm shocked at how many people don't use email <laughs> today or even just put a lead capture on their yeah. page to say subscribe here and I'll get you updates. Because what happens when Facebook shuts your ad account down or Google shuts your ad account down? And I guess I learned that in 2010. Right. Yeah. So it was like, you know, maybe this is my. You know, always that safety net I got yeah. is building. You this, own it. Yeah. If you own your audience, you own the brand and you own the audience. And I guess, you know, we build these brands, but our goal is really to own the audience. Yeah. At the end of the day. So that's what we're looking for is audiences that we can grow. Got it. Uh, another one we're working on is, I don't know, man, I keep, I, I'm, I, I'm putting it out there because we haven't launched yet. So yeah. I'm hoping it takes off. Very cool. Uh, it's, but it's our first physical product brand that we're going to do with this audience called Liberty Coffee. So we're trying to make making coffee great again. Very cool. So leveraging all that stuff, right? And that you know that demographic that listens to that kind of thing. And, yeah. And uh, coffee that's so right, nothing's left. Yeah. So we'll see what happens with it, right? Like it hasn't taken off yet. It's, I we actually I just figured out it's going to be another eight weeks just to get our bags in. I'm yeah. Like, Come on. I, it's so, so funny. I um I was talking to a friend of mine <laughs> yesterday talking about like physical yeah. products. Yeah. And he's in the chocolate business oh, and nice. I'm over here like building a tech company and we're worried about, you know, software not working, bugs happening. And he's worried about like chocolate not melting on the truck. And I'm just like the level of different problems in a business <laughs> is so funny sometimes if you think about someone else's yeah. problems versus what yours are. So, I mean, just hearing that, it, it reminded me of the conversation I had yesterday because it's yeah. like. I could never relate because I don't have a coffee company, yeah. but uh, no, that, that's great. It's well, luckily, cool. I've got a partner in that that knows coffee inside and out, so that's the only yeah. way we're able to do that. But even thinking of tech, we just bought a software company called nice. Uprival. So nice. it's a big ad server. allows you to rotate impressions of all the impressions you've got and everything else. So, like, I got to switch that mind yeah. consistently. Totally. But we wouldn't be able to do it, I guess, you know, a, a tip or whatnot for people listening is when you – a lot of people try and grow brands and businesses – and then move to the next one before the first one's taken a foothold. Yeah. And the only way you can do that is if you get the right people. So, you know, number one is like get the right people in place, be a great leader, become a better leader so you can put the right people in place so they can run them. 
Because if you don't have that, yeah, I've seen so many entrepreneurs just fizzle out and die off because they're too spaced out doing too many things, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. So. Uh, I, on that note, I'd love to talk about like where you spend your time and when it comes to, you know, building great leadership in your organization, building with the right people, um, and just like overall, like your day-to-day schedule, like where you spend your time. Hanging out here. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, for sure. <laughs> you know, for me, the a, a few years back, I, I had this realization that I was an awful leader because my company was built around everyone calling me and I, I had built myself as the conduit. So I was the fire starter. Got it. So I could put the fires out. Yeah. You know, and I created this environment that I just didn't enjoy and I wasn't building people up. They were very task driven. Mm-hmm. And then a buddy of mine that owns a pretty large software company, him and I were having a conversation one day and he goes, I was like, I asked him, I was like, you know, where did you make your big pivot at? And he goes, I went from uh, transactional leadership to transformational leadership. And so I started reading about transformational leadership. I started trying to figure out how can I be a better leader? How can I help people grow? And so instead of focusing solely on the business revenue and growth, I focused on the growth of the people within the business because all that other stuff for me, I figured, all right, if I can go focus on these people being great and helping them be amazing at what they do and help them take ownership in what they do as opposed to guide, I can guide them instead of saying, hey, here's your task, do this, here's your task, do this, then we would be able to grow, but they would take ownership of their job and their opportunity that they had, but we would grow as a company because they became, my goal was to be able to have conversations with them and learn from them as opposed to me telling them what to do and learn from me, right? Yeah. And when I made that switch is when things opened up for us. Very cool. And um, Transformational leadership. Yeah. Love that. And as for your other question, like my day to day, you know, I really, I, I don't, I, I, I keep it boring. So <laughs> I, do, I do. Yeah. You know, it's funny because people are always like, oh, you know, the nine to five, and you know, I was yeah. railing against that. Sometimes you see people doing that. I'm like, I live a nine to five. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my my kids are doing the school thing. My wife homeschools, so they do that during the day, and I, that's my opportunity. I knock all my stuff out there, and then when I'm done, I, you know, usually around two or three, I hit the gym, and then I go home. You know, so. Yeah. It's uh, I get my work done in the morning. I do my meetings. I make sure that teams got what they need, and they're yeah. you know they got no roadblocks in their way. If, if they do, you know, I help them solve that, and then uh, we move forward. And it's I would say from there, it's bigger bigger level thinking, right? Like, yeah, how can we go from this to this, or who do I need to become to go from here to here? Who do we need to who do I need to connect with, right? Like, yeah. I'm thinking of those things and bigger visions. Actually, when I get back on. Uh, this week we got a meeting and like we're one of our industries that we're in it's like it's just it's stagnant it's it's old school mindset <laughs> man and yeah. i'm like guys this has to change like, <laughs> i was like if no one's innovating we're going to innovate yeah and so uh, we got a big meeting on how we're going to create innovation in this space that's been around for a long time so you know that's the type of stuff i love doing yeah no, that's super cool to hear um and do you have any like co-founders for the organization or just partners or what does that look like? Cause I'd love to talk so, about that dynamic in terms of just like working alongside a co-founder. Yeah. So I've got uh, partners in one of my company, I would say partners, not co-founders. Okay. Um, and the reason, uh, being, I used to be, I used to have partners back in the day and I was awful. I was an awful partner. Okay. So, and I just started getting into it and we'd all, we, we both had the same skill set. and yeah. the next thing you know, we're button heads and yeah. trying to get it done. And, and I think my partnerships that I've developed over the last couple of years have been amazing, you know, like, but we all know very clear on our roles going in, yep. very defined. This is what I do this is what you do. This is, or I'm in charge of running it or you're in charge of running. I'm here to support. 
And so I think, uh, you know, it's, that's a big piece, right? Where people just, we have an, a lot of times people have an idea, they're hanging out with a buddy, they're talking oh, about something, or, we <laughs> should do this. And you're running on that high to go get it done and you're executing so fast. And then you realize like you, you, you start wanting to grow in different directions yeah. or you have different visions and there's no real leadership or there's a, an issue with leadership. But for me, once I realized that, like, hey, let's, let's define what we're gonna do and how we're gonna do it, where's our vision? Am I, am I the one that's leading this charge or are you the one that's leading this charge, right? Yeah. And I'm in both positions on different relationships that I've yep. got in businesses that I have. And, uh, and then we go, you know, we go from there. So I think that's, you know, that's a big piece is yeah. it can get very clouded really, really quick. Totally. If you don't define it. Yeah, no, that's very well said. A um, couple more questions before we wrap up here, Nate. I'd love to just hear from you, like overall, if you were to go back in time and give yourself some piece of advice uh, when it comes to business, entrepreneurship, what would that uh, advice be and why? Oh man, lots of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I would say, oh man, I, you know, probably I'll go with this one right now. Grace, give yourself grace. Because entrepreneurs were hard chargers. We're driving. We're always our worst, our own worst critic. Uh, so as you grow and build your business, you're gonna make mistakes. Don't beat yourself up about it because yep. there's a massive, massive emotional roller coaster as an entrepreneur. So you have to be. You can't be too high. You can't be too low. You got to be re, really even keel. Mistakes are gonna happen. So give yourself grace. So you can be resilient to push past it and move forward, right? Yep. Like, learn and move. Learn and move. You, you got to learn and move as fast as possible. Love that. It reminds me of something that uh, one of my mentors once told me, Trevor Moad. He, he unfortunately passed away recently, but he, he talked about this idea of neutral thinking, where it's like you're not too positive, you're not negative. It's just if you remain neutral, you can focus on what's in front of you. And uh, he was like the, the brain coach to Russell Wilson. Um, and just hearing what you said reminded me of that. And I'd love to just get your thoughts on that in terms of like, is that like that neutral thinking mindset, like focusing on the task at hand rather than trying to, you know, be in the emotional roller coaster that is so easy to just kind of fall into. You have to really control that mm -hmm. mindset so that you can, you know, continue to focus on what's important. Yeah, neutral mindset, 100%. You have to be. I, I agree with that. I tell a story, one of my old clients, great guy, runs a great company. He was super, he's a, very high emotional guy yeah and uh but he, he's high emotional excited never really got too low just high emotional excited kind of thing but we were sitting in his office one day talking we just had a huge win <laughs> and, he, and he's like and i was like yeah man it's good he was like that's it and he, he was shocked right he was like do you ever show emotion what is wrong with you he was like we just did this like you like you're killing me and he's yeah. getting all frustrated with me i'm like so yeah, but that's why we work together, man. Because <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like this, and so I think you know, I was excited, but me being excited, I this is me being excited, and this is me being upset. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So I think you got it 100. Um, you know, I'm no brain coach by any means, but I think that's one thing that's served me well over the years is to stay neutral. And yeah. That's probably I've never heard it put that way, but I think that's a, a phenomenal way of putting it. Just staying neutral. Yeah. And 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 level-headed because otherwise you're going to drive yourself nuts. You're going to lose sleep. You're going to, you know, and then you're, when you lose sleep, you're going to have a bad day the next day because yeah. you're going to operate in a full, full impact, you know? Totally. I love that. Well, Nate, uh, last, question before, last question before we wrap up. Um, when it comes to just 
everyone listening where they can follow you, stay connected with you. Where's the best place that they can go to learn more about your story and overall follow you on social? Yep. So natekennedy.com. That's number one. You can get me over there. And then from there, my handles on Instagram, Facebook, all around as, as I go grab them when I can. <laughs> uh, Nate Kennedy, MD. So Nate Kennedy, MD is a marketing doctor, right? I took that because it was cooler than Nate Kennedy two. I didn't want to be number two. Yeah. And yeah, no, uh, I, so <laughs> I, I had at Casey Adams one for a while and I finally got a, uh, a new domain name on Instagram. So I feel you. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Nate Kennedy MD on social, natekennedy.com is my main site. Love that. Well, Nate, I just want to say thank you so much for coming to the show today and for everyone watching or listening. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you don't already follow Nate, make sure you do that now. I'll make sure to link it down below. And of course, thank you so much to Blue Wire Studios for having us here today. And I will see you guys soon.